Great news. For a limited time, you can get one month free of Spectrum Mobile service. That's right, one month free with any new line. This exclusive offer is only available at select Spectrum stores. So stop by today. Our team of mobile experts are ready to help you switch and save hundreds on your mobile bill. Don't miss out on this incredible offer. Come see us at Market at Hilliard, Taylor Square, and Waterloo Crossing. Spectrum Internet and auto pay required. Restrictions apply. Visit store for details. Family. It looks a little different for everyone. For some, it's mom and dad. For others, roommates who feel like family. And for others, it's your significant other, their golfing buddies, your children, a high school soccer team starting lineup, and oh look, they're all taking you up on the offer to stay for dinner. Really testing the limits of that phrase, the more the merrier. But no matter where you call home, GEICO makes it easy to bundle and save on home and car insurance. Easier than making three frozen pizzas and assorted frozen veggies into a cohesive meal. Welcome back to the Michiana People Podcast. In this episode, I talked to Dirk Hanlon. Dirk is a local comic and artist. We talked about comedy, meeting new people, and playing football at Purdue. That's him, not me. This was a fun conversation. It was great to get to know him. We connected via Twitter, and I had seen him once or twice at the drop, doing open mic when I was there. But we never really got to talk, and we had a great conversation. There's some strong language in here, so you've been warned. It's uh, it's not bad, but there's some language. Hey, Viseria is going to be at Ignition Music on August 11th for, at 7.30 for their Relativity album release. I've seen them twice, and they are one of the best rock bands you're going to see. Brother Oh Brother is opening, and I can absolutely guarantee a great show. Go to ignitionmusic.net and get your tickets before they're sold out. I also talked to Patrick from Viseria, and his episode will be up next Monday or Tuesday. Sponsors, how much work would your network work if your network could work? Is your network keeping up with your users? Is your data secure? If you lost your data, could you get it back? Mapletronic specializes in helping you answer those questions and getting your network fast, reliable, and safe. If you'd like to talk to me about your computer network, and know where you stand, you can give me a call at 574-537-5838 or email me at scurtis at mapletronics.com. There's no charge for my consultation or network evaluation, so give it a shot. So if you ever needed something and went to the internet to search for the best place to get it, let's use the example of dinner. You're hungry and you don't know where you want to go, you start Googling and find a restaurant with an interesting name and go to their website. The website's not mobile friendly and you can't find the menu, you have no idea what beers or wines they have available, and they don't have a Facebook page so you can't check the specials. You pass on that restaurant. Now you have friends or family recommend a restaurant. You Google the restaurant and it has a great mobile website. You can see the entire menu, the drink list, and specials right on your phone. Then you go to the Facebook page and beautiful video and pictures of the specials are right there along with a ton of positive reviews. You're going to that restaurant tonight. If you own a business, you want to be seen, be talked about, and be customer friendly on the web. That's where Vala Marketing comes in. Vala can create a beautiful mobile friendly web page to your special specifications and meet and give you a great social media presence, which is important these days. 
Vala can manage your entire digital marketing efforts on a monthly basis. If you're having trouble keeping up, would like to grow, or just need to figure out how to get people in the door or on your website, Vala Marketing would like to speak with you. Give them a call at 574-606-6696 to set up a free consultation or free audit of your digital marketing efforts. Here comes Dirk Hanlon. Have fun, guys. I started uh, with Mark Marin's podcast, WTF, yep. and that listening to that was really what got me into doing my own because uh, my wife and I, we just became empty nesters. I was going crazy. I was either going to, you know, um, become a alcoholic or uh, <laughs> or do something positive. So I decided to do this instead. <laughs> and then I started doing comedy right about the same time. And I saw... I, I saw you very early on. It was probably like my second or third time. Okay. And I sucked so bad when I first started it. Don't <laughs> Who <know>. did it? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's hard to watch. Yeah. But, uh, you know, and I just noticed that, you know, people go up and suck and then they'll get better and get better and get better or they'll just quit. And, and I decided not to quit. So Good. I'm just having fun with it. It's a hobby. You know what? Yeah. I think that is a super advantage for you and me both because... My goal isn't to be, I'm going to get a 15-minute set at the Laugh Factory. Right. You know what? I go up there because I like to do it. I tell yeah. jokes I think are funny, and I have fun with it. It's a good stress relief. Yeah. I don't have a whole lot of hobbies other than, like, video gaming. Or right, whatnot. yeah. So it's it's good for me. And the good thing is I don't take it too hard when things don't go well, but some of those young guys, they really take it hard. I mean, yeah. they're like... A guy I seen last night at the drop, he's uh, a, a friend from uh, Kalamazoo. He used to live in this area. Now he's up there. Mm -hmm. And and I said, I haven't heard much from you. See much? He goes, man, for six months. I had a set that bombed so bad <laughs> that I got off Facebook. I quit doing comedy. Oh, wow. I wanted to just, you know, I wanted to get away from it. And then, he, you know, he always come back. Yeah. Um, and I'm glad that he did. But it's one of those things. I learned that early. You know, because even a guy that doesn't give too much about shits about where he progresses to still wants to do well. Right. And I had a couple times that I fucking bombed. And yeah. some of my best sets were the sets after I bombed because oh, I yeah. either wanted yeah. to make sure I didn't do that again or you get that shit out of your system. Yeah. Or it's just a better room. I mean, sometimes, right. you know, you don't want to always blame the room, but there's sometimes it's not a good room and right. they don't like necrophilia jokes. Yeah. <laughs> it is a retirement <laughs> home, but I mean, come on. <laughs> And so, you know, I've been there and, uh, you know, I've been doing comedy, just open mic level stuff for like five, I think five uh -huh. years now. And, uh, so what, so what made that first jump? What my wife, um, I've always been a comedy stand up yeah. comedy guy. Didn't go to a lot. I remember the, the only shows I really remember going to in college, I went to see Andrew Dice Clay because uh -huh. that was in the mid nineties. So he was huge. Yeah. Um, I went and saw Dave Chappelle uh, back in like the early 2000s. Mm -hmm. And then I met my wife in 06, 07 ish. Mm -hmm. And uh, we were always looking for something to do at night other than just like go to the restaurant and come home. And she found uh, places where they were doing stand up comedy. Mm -hmm. Now, so Laugh Comedy Club, I don't know if you're familiar oh, with yeah. that. Oh, yeah. I used okay. to go to Laugh. So yeah. I used to go to Laugh all the time. And uh, to be honest, I never had any issues with Rod, the owner. I know yeah. there's people that had beefs and all this stuff. Never got that from him. Yeah. He would let me in the shows for free because my wife and I would always come. Mm -hmm. And so, like, we would go every week. Right. You know, and um, then we're like, hey, we love it. Every week there's somebody new for the most part. Yeah. They got the same host, but whatever. And I remember her saying, hey, they've got an open mic that you can go to and just watch on a Thursday if you want to go. And I was mm -hmm. like, let's do it. 
we went to two or three of them and just watched. Yeah. And I started to understand things that I didn't understand before about comedy where right. you tell the same jokes yeah. every every time you're up there and you yeah. get good at it. Yeah. And I never, I still have a hard time getting up there and telling my same jokes over and over again because I just feel like the the open mic crowd that's heard these things 30 times, yeah. they deserve better. Right. But I know that you're never going to get good at it until you're just whipping that dead horse and, right. and working it out. So I got up, uh, my first open mic was at Laugh. Are you, do you know who um, Otis J. Boggs is? He, I think he goes by J. Big guy. I think he's from like Napanee area. He was buddies with Sean Shank. Yeah, I think that, yeah. He that, was I've heard that name. there that night hosting the open mm. mic at Laugh. I was familiar with him because I had seen him at the club before. I didn't uh-huh. know him by name or whatever. He may have actually featured. Um, I saw Bob Zaney there a couple times, and I wouldn't. He, yeah, he, I wouldn't he be may surprised. Have either been MC or featured. He did a lot of work for them, and he was doing the open mic that night. And, yeah. I, and there was probably I don't know five or six comics, and yeah, a couple people had come that I worked with, and um, I did like a ten minute set, and it was I, I videotaped it. Oh, mm. it's so hard to go back and watch. I mean, it's like, oh, yeah. I've heard Jim Norton talk about, oh, God, I don't want to watch those old videos. Right. And I do tape a lot of my stuff because I want to look at it and see what worked and what didn't work. Right. And it's good to go back and watch that because it's like, you got to know where you came from right. to appreciate right. how far you've come. And so that's what really pushed me into it for the first time. Was yeah. I was just going to watch and I thought, right. fuck, these, <laughs> the, the guy that went up the time before, I, I, the, the spot right before me was so god awful. I mean, it yeah. was. And he knew it. And, right. You know, he knew it. Yeah. And it wasn't hard to follow that. And I thought, yeah. fuck, now's, now's yeah. the time. And uh, I just tried to stick with it. And yeah. I love it, man. It's, it's fun. funny what you said about beating those jokes to death. I, I was talking to my wife about it. I said, and I told her that um, once I do a joke and it hits and everything is perfect, it's dead to me. It's really hard to I do know. it again. And, and, um, I'm very, because I've been in business for so long, I'm very businesslike about my comedy. So I will, I will work it out three times. You know, I'll do it the first time, second time, and the third time. If I don't get it to where I think I can make something of it by the third time, it's dead to me. Yep. You know, I just, I, I feel just, you, man. I got my little book and I just cross it out. And, um, I've, then there's others that, you know, I think, oh, if I do this, I do that. I, I did, I did a set, um, uh, Saturday night at, uh, in Goshen and it's a, it's one that I've done a hundred times. It's about, it's a, it's about, uh, young guys and how they sit in cars too fast. And, um, uh, when you're young, your balls are here. And as you get older, they get down here and you're going to sit on your balls. And <laughs> that always kills. I, it's, yeah. al- it's almost always my closer. But when I did it there, I had a, uh, PBR tall boy with me because that's the only beer they had. And when I said your balls get down here, and I, I paused and I took a drink, and <laughs> the audience just went crazy. And I'm like, okay, now I thought I had done it perfectly. Now, it's now perfect. you know, yeah. <laughs> but that's I never I never thought of comedy as art. And on this podcast, I've interviewed a ton of artists, a ton of musicians, and I think of that as art. But really, if you can take your idea and put it out there and have people, first of all, understand, 
Um, second of all, maybe commiserate with your misery a little bit. And third, just really laugh. And there is an art element to it, it is. because you're really crafting it. I'm telling you what, that's I love to hear other people say that because that's the thing that I learned early before I started doing stand-up. Mm. There was a local guy named Dustin Davis. I uh-huh. mean, Dustin Skippy Davis. That yeah. was like a self-given nickname. And he was the guy that was hosting all these shows. Mm-hmm. Well, we would see him every week. And that's where I learned at first, you tell the same jokes over and over again. I right. heard him tell this joke about um, something about Elmo. And um, he, I had heard him tell it 20 times. And it was funny. But it got to the point where you still laugh and you clap because yeah. you're supporting the comic. But eh. Right. And one t- the 21st time I heard him tell that joke, he twisted it up at the end uh-huh. and had Elmo making this funny noise while he was, like, molesting someone. I and I laughed so hard because I wasn't expecting it. And it made that he, joke brand new. Where did he go? I think he's in Ohio. Okay. I'm, I'm friends with him on Facebook. I don't know if he's still doing comedy. I don't see much. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't do a lot on Facebook. Yeah. But every once in a while. Because I saw him something. a couple times at Laugh. Yeah. 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 He, was, uh, he was one of the main guys. He yeah. was doing, he was emceeing like all the shows. Right. He was helping hope, uh, host Open Mic. Yeah. So I learned a lot from him. And that was yeah. the thing I learned is. You can take that old, and I'm the same way. Last night at Open Mic, I did a lot of old jokes because mm-hmm. I really went out to wish Ben done right. farewell. And but I wanted to do a set, so I just threw some old stuff together. And my heart just isn't in it mm-hmm. when I know everybody in the room has heard all those jokes. Yeah. Uh, so I tried to twist it up a little bit and say, "Hey, listen, I've been writing new jokes, and I want to try these new jokes on mm-hmm. you guys. Want to hear some new jokes?" They're going, to write, "Well, as soon as I started the first joke, most people are like this fucking shit isn't new. Come on." Uh, but it, it's one of those things that um, I write a lot, but I've been lazy and I haven't been practicing it. I used to go to open mic every week. Now I've been to like three open mics this year, done yeah. a couple shows here and there. But I just need to get off my ass and do it. Yeah, you know, just I tend to go on little fits and starts too. Yeah. And and since I, it's hard to call them professional gigs because I think I got paid forty bucks for the last one. That's <laughs> That's still impressive. Getting co- covered admission, <laughs> but when you do that, then you want to practice and you want to do stuff. You don't exactly. have anything going on. It's just, uh, you know, it's Tuesday night or Thursday night. Can I relax or should I go out and tell some jokes? And I, I, I love doing it. And I think our personalities are a little bit similar in that we don't. Um, when we started, we don't really have any inhibitions or we don't know strangers so my first time was at the chicory and i think it was um patrick fowler um jim cliss and and i think chris ray were sitting at a table and i just plopped myself down and said hey i'm scott (laughs) i'm going and the funny thing is is ever since then everybody i've met at the drop i you know i've met them i've met uh genesis ben me and ben have had some couple deep discussions and um uh, what's his name guzzy joe guzzy Guzzi, yeah. yeah um he actually works with my wife and uh mike hollinger yeah you know i've met them and i've done a couple comedy uh um round table things in here and they're just nice you know and so what's wrong with you know expanding your friend base you know (laughs) i love it because um you know i i used to be go out all the time this that and the other now i'm married i'm kind of a homebody Mm -hmm. and what i really like about the comedy club is there are people there different than me yep and i can learn about different things and why certain things bother certain people because 
my friend base that I have is different from that. Mm-hmm. And I can learn, and maybe I'll disagree with it, but I've learned to see things from different perspectives. Right. And they're all really cool about it. I mean, yeah. we'll sit down and talk about this yeah. stuff. And yeah. it's like, these guys get, they understand right. me. Even though we're different, they get it because we all have comedy in common. Yeah. And I think that's super cool. Man. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's <laughs> the same thing in the podcast has done that for me too. The only problem is, is um, if you have any sort of empathy, it really tears you in what you believe and what you don't believe. Yeah. <laughs> you really, you really, uh, your your thoughts on things change and your views change and stuff like that just, just by talking to somebody. But that's good yeah, because definitely. it broadens your horizons. When I think about the first comic that, and I'm older than you, when I th- think about the first comic that made me want to do comedy was when I was a kid. I was like maybe eight years old, and the guy's name was Tom Dreesen. Have you ever heard of him? I don't think so. He he used, he, I mean, he's in his 70s now, um, but he used to uh, open for Frank Sinatra. Oh, okay. And so he, you know, he was big, big man. <laughs> and he also was one of the, um, back in the day, he was one of the first uh, in a comedy team that had a, a black comic and a white comic together. Tim Reed, who ended up being on WKRP in Cincinnati. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Venus uh, yeah. Flytrap or whatever. Yeah, he was yep. Venus Flytrap. So they were a comic team, um, and... He, he talked, I listened to some of his interviews and he talks about, you know, they'd go to the South and having a black guy and white guy up there together was not good. Sure. And th- there was all kinds of fights and he'd rough it up with them and, and all that kind of stuff. But he used to, he used to do, um, I do pretty clean comedy and he did clean comedy too. And what he did was like on the Mike Douglas show and stuff like that. And I thought, man, that is just the coolest. So that got comedy into my blood and then Steve Martin came up and George Carlin and stuff like that. And I always love comics. And one of my favorites, I, I talked about seeing him at laugh is Bob Zaney. I love him. And he, you know, he is like the consummate hack comedian. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he's I've old seen, school. I've seen and, him at, I never got a chance to see him in South Bend, but I've mm-hmm. seen him several times at Zaney's. Yeah. Or, uh, I believe he was at, and really like, I really liked him. Yeah. I, the last time he was supposed to be at Laugh that I was going to be able to go, something happened. I was really bummed out because yeah. he's, he is a – but that's what I love. It's yeah. like if you can stereotype and make fun of the stereotypes and yeah. that's your act, hey, yeah. it, it works for right, him. I right. mean, it does. Oh, yeah. And he writes jokes for some of the big ones too. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't say who it is exactly, but right. he writes a ton of jokes. But a buddy of mine, we were talking and we saw him and at Laugh and we said, well, when he comes back – we're going to wear the black suit and the white shirt and the tie and have the cigar and, and be his fan club yeah. and laugh closed up. Oh and yeah. So I've been bugging um, Jason and Jim and Patrick to get him in at uh, the drop. I wouldn't think it'd be that hard. Yeah. I mean, it's probably, probably just negotiating. Dep- yeah. Whatever. But a name like that, you could get some people in there, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with name. Um, well, he's not as popular with the younger crowd. Yeah, I guess yeah. I, I just I just always remember he was on um, was he on Bob and Tom quite a bit oh, yeah, back he, in the day. That's yeah. where I really remember being familiar yeah. with him. And Every the, Tuesday, he did yeah, his mid to late nineties. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah. I would I was listening to Bob and Tom. I lived in Lafayette, and uh, that's where how I got into yeah. you know, yeah. Zany. <laughs> I think he was actually doing that in the eighties because I was down in Indy in the eighties, and that's before Bob and Tom became syndicated. Gotcha. And I think I remember hearing him. Back then, I don't know if he was doing the Zany Report, but I remember right. him. I used to, um, do you remember Farrell's Restaurants? 
I don't think. Yeah, so, you're so. you're probably a little young. Um, but there was one in South Bend, and I managed one in Indianapolis after this one closed. And um, I would we had a really nice sound system for an ice cream parlor restaurant, and I jerry rigged a, a radio in there, and I'd have Bob Bob and Tom just blaring away. And there was a bank right next to us, and they'd always call and complain. <laughs> Because I, I was coming through the walls, uh, but it would be it would it would be between that and uh, metal music. So you know. <laughs> I take I'd rather have the Bob and Tom. Yeah, <laughs> I mean I like metal, but come on. <laughs> so uh, one of the things um, I've noticed that you are a consummate professional at is photoshopping. I'm very good. At it. I'm pretty <laughs> what, good at what, it. What started that? Well, let me. This is the long version. Okay. So I've always been an artist. Okay? Yeah. I grew up, I'm an only child, so mm. found things to do yeah. when, you know, my parents both worked and, and all that. So uh, I drew a lot, a lot of guns and airplanes mm-hmm. and boy stuff like that. And as I got into high school, I got into comic book art. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't really able to do the art myself, but I had some real, you know, art heroes mm-hmm. that were like, uh, you know, Let's pause for a second. Okay. If you guys want to hear the rest of this, download the podcast. Yeah. So <laughs> that's great. Um, so I'm into X Men and um, comic book art, things like that, and went to college doing a um, graphic design program at Purdue. Mm-hmm. And it really wasn't a graphic design program, it was like half graphic design. Half um, engineering graphics, blueprint drawings, things like that, solid, <laughs> solid modeling. And um, I just, that wasn't what I wanted to do, but I still like drawing. Yeah. So my first brush with the law, and really my <laughs> only brush with the law, my sophomore year, um, I'm friends with a lot. I played football at Purdue. I was uh-huh. uh, uh, on the football team. And, but I had a lot of friends that were non football players just because, you know, I had friends that were in my degree stuff that yeah. we had things in common with. And I wanted to be known for more than just being a football player. Right. right? So I had these three guys. We would walk to class every day. We went to the, all the same classes. Mm. And there was another guy that was in all our classes. And all I remember is his name was David. And he was kind of a weirdo. <laughs> he kind of he freaked all the girls out. Yeah. Every day he wore the same shirt, Slayer. Yeah. Which is fine, yeah. but it's the same shirt every day. Now, yeah. I don't know if he had five of them or he wore the same one every day. <laughs> and he just creeped everybody out. Mm-hmm. That's fine. He didn't bother, bother me. But one thing about David is he rode his bike to class every day, no matter rain, shine, uh, snow, whatever. Mm-hmm. And one day, probably late November, early December, we're walking to class, me and these three buddies of mm-hmm. mine that weren't football players. And it was snowy and icy. And there goes David on his way to class on his bike. Right. And he hits a patch of ice on a crosswalk. And, I mean, he starts doing this, like, you know, where he's about ready to fall. Hits yeah. the brakes. Flips over the front of the handlebars. We waited oh. until we were out of sight. And then we laughed. You know, we're not yeah. going to laugh in the guy's right. face. We're not, you know, total <laughs> pricks. But we Oops. get to class. Okay. <laughs> We get to class, and um, it's a big lecture hall. There's like, I don't know, 200 kids in this big lecture hall. And David is about four rows in front of us. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm listening to notes, and I doodle a lot. So mm-hmm. I'm doodling, and I doodle <laughs> a picture of a guy flying over the handlebars of a bike, and uh-huh. I write Super Dave, because yeah. Super Dave Osborne, oh, yeah. which people today don't really remember who that was, but it was a play on that. Well, next to that, I draw a picture of a guy jacking off with a pair of tweezers. Now, uh-huh. you can't see the penis 
because uh-huh. he's got tweezers and everything. But yeah. I did write tweezers and I put an arrow to uh-huh. it. And I handed it to my three friends that saw this thing. Well, of course, they're laughing their ass off. Yeah. And it kind of looks like him because I'm yeah. an okay artist. <laughs> well, anyway, they pass it down to this girl in the next row. She passed somebody else. It gets into David's hands. That mm-hmm. was never the intent. I'm mm-hmm. a gentleman. I make fun of people behind their back. Right. And he gets it and he looks up. We're all laughing. I'm embarrassed. I'm turning mm-hmm. B red. When I get embarrassed, I turn red. Mm-hmm. Because I didn't want him to get that. So he knew it was one of us. Okay. This is like a Thursday, maybe Friday. Yeah. I go out of town that weekend. I come back Sunday night and the resident advisor in our dorm says, hey, the police were here looking for you uh, Saturday night. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, I was out of town. I'm not sure what they were wanting. He goes, well, they were definitely looking for you. And I was like, oh, and I've Uh never been in trouble with the law. Yeah. Uh, You know, nothing like that. So I'm kind of freaking out Sunday Mm -hmm. night. Go to class Monday morning and... um, come back at like 8 39 and there's a message from the purdue police department they want to have me come in and talk with them about something they don't tell me what it is so i'm pooping my pants on the way to class one of my buddies that was with me that day goes hey did the cops call you and i'm like yeah what's going on and they said saturday night we got drunk and we were calling david and leaving him messages on his answer machine and and all this stuff he calls the police they come to each of our dorm rooms they're all three in one dorm room drunk not 19 years old uh-huh. so they're you know yeah. illegal consumption all that and the cops basically say you either admit to all this stuff or we're going to arrest you for this that mm-hmm. and the other they all you know they spill their guts yeah. or whatever and i'm like well that's great i mean i don't have anything to worry about it nothing to do with it and they all said yeah we told them you didn't have anything to do with it mm-hmm. blah 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 but david had given them my name too as mm-hmm. one of these harassing people <laughs> so i go in and i talk to the the police guy and and he Asked me these questions. I mm-hmm. answer. I told him I'm out of town, blah, blah, blah. Tons of people could vouch that I was in Illinois. Mm-hmm. And he goes, well, I guess that's pretty cut and dried. I guess we can let you go. Mm-hmm. So I start to stand up and he goes, oh, wait a second. I just got one more thing. And he pulls out a Ziploc bag with this drawing <laughs> of a guy jacking up with a pair of tweezers. And he says, does this picture look familiar? <laughs> and I said, I'm not going to say another thing until I see a lawyer. Yeah. So $500 <laughs> later, the thing gets thrown out, of course. Oh, it was basically wow. a harassment charge. And that began, uh, you know, my official art to other people. And mm-hmm. so I've always been a um, computer guy, yeah. love computer stuff. My wife, two years ago for Christmas, got me an iPad Pro mm-hmm. and an Apple Pencil. And that is really where I do all my work. I've never really used Photoshop. I used to use Microsoft Paint to make yeah. stupid, you know, right. pictures or whatever. But that iPad Pro has totally, like, upped my game. You can cut oh, and paste. Man, it's, it it's super... Yeah. Cool, and uh, that's really what's driven my recent artistry, I guess you could call it. Yeah, you're uh, the first one I saw was uh, uh, Jason Staples. I think it was it was his birthday or something, and you had him as third uh, base. Yeah, as MC Search on third base, and that's like one of the hip hop groups I can name from. The I 80s. love it that you and, know who yeah. that was. Even. I mean, I was just. I, I was so impressed. And then just recently you had him as Borat. Yeah. And that I was like, that's perfect. Yeah. It's absolutely perfect. Well, have you ever seen his act? You know, he does this thing where he's always does my wife. Yeah. You know, that's like his thing. So I had made that back. Um, I think it was last year. I originally had made that. And just the running joke at the time was Jason Staples looks like Jackie O. Yeah. And I don't know if you've seen that. And I was like, yeah. he kind of looks like Borat, too. And then I, you know, photoshopped his face on Borat and yeah. everybody laughed. And 
I really do like to do that. I try not to use that in a negative. I usually want to do it to make people laugh and not right. at the expense of somebody. Right. So, you know, I've done a lot of that stuff back when uh, Jonathan Baldazon, Zach Boyce, and Jake Wells all mm. moved to Chicago. Mm. I took the Back to the Future movie poster and mm. put uh, each of their faces on Marty McFly yeah. or the professor or the uh. you know, scientist or whatever. And uh, just, you know, everybody gets a kick out of that. And my, as you, I'm sure, feel the same way. I've always been a guy that loves to hear people laugh. Yeah. And I want them to laugh because what I'm saying is funny and not because, right. you know, the guy next to him is laughing or because I'm making fun of this guy. I just mm. want to, I really just love making people laugh and have fun. And it's been something I've done my whole life. It yeah. Just, never started doing the comedy part of it until like the last five years. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen, uh, Couple of them you did with uh, Patrick Fowler too. It's good stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's. Uh, I mean, it's as professional as I've as I've seen because I've seen a lot of people mess around with Photoshop and sure. stuff like that. And some of it's okay, and some of it, you know, yours looks. I'm not. I'm not a great weird. artist with pencils and markers and mm -hmm. things like that. I mean, I can do some sketching and whatnot, but just the, the iPad makes it so easy to do those things and yeah. blend it in and actually make it look like. Right. That. I mean. The one with uh, Staples, the picture that I lifted off of Facebook and put into that third base mm -hmm. thing, it just fits so perfectly oh, in yeah. there that, you know, it's I couldn't not do it. Yeah, it was it was great. So, are you originally from the area? I grew up in Champaign, Illinois. Okay, and um, went to school there my whole life. And when I graduated there, got the scholarship for Purdue. Mm -hmm. My my dad. Worked at the, uh, he was a junior high principal. Okay. And my mother worked in the superintendent's office as like an accountant. Mm -hmm. And when I graduated and went to Purdue, he took a job about 40 minutes away from Purdue as a high school principal oh, okay. at a school there. So mm -hmm. went to school for, you know, six, six and a half years and uh, ended up in Saginaw, Michigan, first job out of college. Okay. And that's where I lived up until 2006. So it's, uh, you know, I hear a lot of people complain about South Bend, but it's like, you should visit Saginaw, Michigan, yeah. and then come and complain about South Bend, because <laughs> South Bend is the best, this best place I've ever lived. Yeah. I love it. I think it's safe. I like that it's big enough city that you got yeah. some downtown. There's things like a comedy club, right. um, but it's not so big that you have a ton of crime right. and, yeah. and all that. So, I mean, my, my wife grew up in the Laporte area, mm. and so... Um, it's it's home for me now. I've lived here as long as I've lived anywhere other than the place I grew up at yeah. in, in school. So when I we've been here for twenty uh, twenty five years okay. almost in this house, and it's funny we always gravitated towards, of course, Mishawaka, Elkhart, and stuff like that. We just never thought to go to South Bend, and then we went to a First Fridays thing in uh, South Bend a few years ago, and like holy shit there's stuff to do i know and, it's cool you can walk from you know you can go to like three different bars the whiskey exchange is one of my favorites um and that's relatively new have you been there? i have not been there any any bourbon scotch vodka tequila anything you want they got it now where is this at it's uh it's in the bank building um right caddy cornered from chicory uh, okay, I so, know exactly. Well, yeah, so the doors are facing Colfax? No, not Colfax. It's close. We couldn't find it at first, um, but uh, they—it's a really—it's really neat kind of a Chicago atmosphere. Um, I—the only thing that it's missing is being able to light up a cigar, mm. <laughs> right? Which is I like to do that sure. on occasion, um, but. Uh, it's got really nice leather chairs, and then they've got some bars, um, stand-up bars, um, 
uh, through the middle and just have anything you want. There's some scotches I like that nobody else carries that they have all the way up to, I think the most expensive one was, um, it was a Macallan 25 year and I think it was like $360 a glass. Mm, yikes, jeez. <laughs> I'm not going to do that one. Jay-Z will have to come and tell yeah, me some of that. I was, uh, I, I cut mine off at $16 a glass. Yeah. <laughs> eh, you got to do that. Yeah. You know? <laughs> So we started going there, and then when Vegetable Buddies open, um, we like music a lot. We go there quite a bit. Okay. Uh, because uh, you got Vegetable Buddies, you got McCormick's right next door, and then I'm always um, up on Tuesday nights doing comedy at the drop. I've only done um, uh, comedy at Kelly's once, and I want to do that more. And then... Um, then we go to Goshen a lot because there's ignition music in Goshen. And we see almost just about, well, maybe 60% of the shows that they put on. Okay. He gets, uh, Steve Martin runs that. Not Steve Martin, the comic, but Steve Martin, the guy that owns it. Gotcha. Um, he, he gets a lot of, um, national acts in like right before they're ready to go big and uh and it's more americana type stuff uh he's had some real rock shows in there too though so it's and it's it only seats like maybe 110 or 120 people and that's 90 of them sitting and the rest of them standing um and it's just a real neat intimate atmosphere the sound is perfect I've seen bands. There was a band I followed. I saw them in Chicago on Saturday at Shuba's, and I saw them at Ignition on Sunday at Ignition, and I preferred the one at Ignition, even, right? even though Chicago was a bigger crowd. That yeah. intimate atmosphere, you know, that's what I love about the drop is you don't have to have 150 people in there yeah. to make it seem like that room is packed. And uh, yeah. I've, I've done comedy and i've seen you know music stuff done and if it's in the wrong venue it yeah. it does hurt right. it. i mean that's one thing about laugh comedy club it was great that it, when it was in riverside when they had a packed house yeah but if you had like seven to twelve people in there it really seemed empty yeah, and man yourself there's one yeah. thing <laughs> that i learned is it is much easier to perform for a big crowd than a small crowd that's and that's something yeah. i would have never even thought of before yeah, um, yeah your comedy. energy level goes up and when you're not just doing comedy for the comics yep. it's and the drop is so weird because you will go in on a tuesday and there will be just the comics um maybe 10 or 12 of them or you go in and it's standing room only and i love it when it's standing room only because yeah. i always change my setup when it's standing room and do the good stuff yeah <laughs> well that's funny that you say i was uh, back in uh, october maybe last year they had asked me, uh, Sean Shank had asked me to do um, one of the dirty shows mm. at the Elkhart Comedy Festival uh-huh. that they were putting on there. And so I was like, hell yeah, it started yeah. at 11 o'clock. Well, this was like six months before the show. Well, then probably f- a month before the show, The Drop was doing a, sh- a comedy local comic showcase. It says, hey, you want to do this? And I was like, hell yeah. yeah. Well, then I realized it was on the same night, and I, uh, I changed to, can I go first and then get out of here? And they're mm. like, yeah, that's cool. And at first I was like, oh man, I don't even know. Maybe I'll just let them, let the rest of the guys do more time and mm-hmm. I'll just watch for a little bit. And they're like, no, don't do that at the crowded room. I was completely packed mm-hmm. and I'm so glad I did. It was one of my best sets I've ever done. Yeah. And I walked out of the room feeling great. The crowd went nuts and I'm like, all right, I'm ready to do this comedy. I'm going to a comedy festival. Yeah. I get to Elkhart. There's like three people in the crowd oh, and four no. comics. So it's like, woof. <laughs> 
and it was one of the and I was hosting. I was yeah. hosting the show, and uh-huh. uh, you know, the thing that you mentioned, com- uh, comedy at Kelly's is. I like to do comedy at Kelly's because it's not easy. There's not a lot of people in there. Right. Sometimes they're not paying attention. There's four people playing pool right. and getting rowdy or whatever. Yeah. If you can do comedy for those guys, mm-hmm. then you can do comedy for a pack. Anybody can do comedy for right. a pack room. I know for a beginner, it seems very intimidating. You'd yeah. rather have less of a crowd. The first time I was asked to do a, any type of a show mm-hmm. was at Laugh. Mm-hmm. Um, and they didn't have a host. And there was a guy you probably remember um, – Michael J. Fox's show in the 80s. Oh, uh, family, uh, ties. family Ties. We almost went to that show. Did you really? Yeah, I would yeah. have loved to have seen that. Yeah. Well, remember Mark Skippy Price? Yeah. yeah Mark Skippy yeah. Price was doing a, a Friday night, Saturday night show yeah. at uh, that laugh. And they said, we just need a host for the 8 o'clock show. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, hell yeah, I'll do that. Yeah. And uh, it was my first time I got to do something. And I went Friday night because I wanted to hear some of the jokes that he was right. telling so I could introduce him correctly, blah, blah, blah. Right. And there was probably 10 people in the audience Friday night. And I'm thinking, yeah. oh, whew, you know, I could do a show for 10 people yeah. or whatever. Uh, you know, this is my very first time. Well, I get there early Saturday night. There's like 100. They got the whole room is full. And I'm, I am pooping <laughs> my pants. And uh, it went good. It went very well. And it was just one of those things that um, – Nobody knew in the crowd that that was my first time. I right. mean, they might have told from how bad it was, but yeah. that's the thing is they don't know yeah. that it's my first time. Hell, they don't want to get up there and host that right. show. So, right. uh, you know, that's what kind of um, got me into fu- actually doing some type of comedy yeah. rather than just going to open mics or whatever. Right, which, right. You know. That's uh, – it's really weird how those great sets just kind of happen. You, you don't – you can't make them happen, and you can't – you you can't really gauge when it's going to happen. You can't predict it. It just happens. And you could do the exact same set cadence and everything to another crowd. Yeah, and it might not do anything yeah. compared. To, that's it's it's a crazy enigma to me how right. how it all works. Yeah. And, you know, even after doing this five years, I mean, I'm by uh, no means a professional comic, mm-hmm. but you see these things and it just amazes me, yeah. you know, how it's it really, works. it's really fun to observe. And it's, it's fun to observe like other comics. One of the, one of the ones I've been watching, I think he started right around the time that I started as Max Tidy. Yeah. Um, and I've watched him go from pretty uncomfortable to where like, like I was, and he had a set just maybe a month ago that was so killer. I mean, he could have been on TV. Awesome. And, and I, I grabbed him after the show. I said, dude, this is your best set ever. And, and then I, um, that's awesome. Gave him a shout out on Facebook. Yeah. Cause he's a young guy. Yeah. But then he comes back and I saw him do the drop. Was it last week? I think it was last. No, it wasn't last week. Cause that was the fourth, um, the week before last. And he's got new stuff and it killed too. And I'm like, okay, you know, go. you know, he had that, he, he got over that hump and all of a sudden he's, he's really rolling now. And it's so cool to see that. I love it. I, that's one thing, you know, um, I know Ben last night was very, didn't want to be called out and say, Hey, he's leaving. I want to say goodbye yeah. to him. And I didn't want to embarrass him or make any jokes about him. Mm. What I told Ben was, and I told everybody else, you should pay attention to what that guy did. He worked yeah. his butt off. He hosted shows. Yeah. He drove to shows that were two or three hours away so yeah. he could have five minutes of time. Right. He worked his butt off, and yeah. that's why he got better. Yeah. And I love it 
that I can watch people progress. Right. Um, there was a guy. Do you know who Jason Markovich? Do you know Jason Markovich? I don't know that name. Jason, um, guy, he knows a lot of the comics, mm. you know, before they did comedy or whatever. Mm. He is. Uh, he gave a he gave a shot at stand up and was mm. really awful. I mean, yeah. I, he would admit to you right. that it was bad. Yeah, and I would see him go up there time after time and just you know eat shit or whatever. Yeah. and I, I felt bad for him. And I told him, I said, if you want, I will video your sets. I got a video mm. camera, pretty decent, and I'll send you private youtube link so you can watch them see mm. what works see what didn't work right and you can get better by doing that yeah. i've learned that through sports watching videos yeah. to do that and it works i think it works for me and he's like yeah i'd like to do that so i started recording and we about five sets in he started getting better uh-huh. and you know it was like to the point where the drop had to make a rule at open mic no jason markovich jokes yeah you know because they're inside <laughs> jokes and while they are hilarious <laughs> You want to be practicing your set so they could pick somebody to do a guest spot that yeah, weekend, right? You right. can't do an inside joke at a guest spot yeah. on a pay show because right. they're not going to know what you're talking about. So the fifth set in, it's a packed open mic. Mm-hmm. I have to drop like like it usually is. And uh, I'm recording, and it, I mean, it's going so good. I'm, I'm like excited for him, and he yeah. can tell it's going good. The crowd's digging it. He's feeling the energy, you can tell. Uh-huh. And he goes, you know what? I'm just going to take a bit of advice that I heard from a friend of mine. They said, Hey, when it's going good, just call it a, call it a day. Yeah. And he's like, thank you everybody. Good night. And I looked down at the camera a minute 25. <laughs> he did a minute 25. <laughs> and it was a great minute 25, yeah, yeah. but you know, uh, there is honor and bowing out, uh, before it, yes, gets, it, gets before it starts getting bad, but yeah. I love watching people work hard and get better. Yeah. I don't care if it's comedy or what it is. And those guys that own the drop, Ball Design, Zach Boyce, Jake Wells, mm-hmm. and even you know the newer guys like Patrick and you know Cliss mm-hmm. and Staples. Those guys work and they oh, work yeah. hard. And it's like I have never seen a person put the time in in comedy that didn't get better. Yeah, like you said, they either get better or they quit. Right. You know, everybody has a great first open mic. Yeah. They do their very first one. They bring in six or seven friends. Yeah. The drop is very friendly to first timers right. and very encouraging and everything. Where I see people quit comedy is after their second time. Yeah. When none of their friends come. Yeah. The jokes weren't great the first time. But, right. you know, you applaud them and everything. Yeah. And that's when I see people wilt. It's that second yeah. time. And they yeah. it's that's the hardest one to get come back yeah, from you gotta, the second time. I think know? that I think that was true with me. And the other the, the thing that really gets me is um people my age they just bitch about millennials all the time. And I see people like Jason and Patrick and I think Cliss may be a, well. I yeah, he's probably millennial. right. He's like a he, tweener. <laughs> he, he's Gen X, millennial. Yeah. I, I see these guys. They all work full-time jobs. They, you know, Fowler goes everywhere. He goes goes to Ohio. He goes up to Kalamazoo, just works his ass off all over the place and works a full-time job and keeps working and getting better. And the, I, I have a lot of respect for guys and gals that want to do that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Because, um, you know, I don't have, I don't have near those aspirations, but just watching them, it just gives you energy. One time, the one time I did, um, it's funny. I did, um, comedy at Kelly's and, um, Hollinger, Hollinger and, uh, Staples came in late. And after it was over, I sat there and drank beers with them and talked about metal music and horror movies. Yeah. And, and, you know, I was, I was there till like midnight and I got home and woke my wife up when I got in. I said, this is like 
a great night for an old guy. Yeah. <laughs> I told those guys, I said, <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't get to talk to people about stuff that I like very much because most people my age don't care about horror movies or metal music. And, yeah. uh, um, it was, it was really fun for me and they're just, they're just nice people. They, yeah. you know, they treat everybody great and um i've gotten some advice and that always helps my wife comes to see me quite a bit and um i always grill her afterwards you know what worked what didn't work right the first the first few times i went up the first question was was i the worst and and i was on the edge a couple times (laughs) (laughs) well on the edge isn't the worst yeah right yeah she's (laughs) she's very honest and and she said man you ramble and and so i i stopped rambling and tighten things up and it's good to have somebody honest to tell you to tell you how it's going and how it's not going but uh yeah and and these couple sets came up in goshen and it's um uh, the ignition set I did was just a full house. I think they had like a hundred people there. Oh, that's cool! And I had so much fun doing that. And I had a really good set at the drop, and some guys were filming me. Some guys filmed me this last Saturday too, and I watched it. And the funny thing is, is when you watch it, you're watching it very critically when yes. you're watching yourself. And and even though people laughed, I was like, oh, that could have been a lot better. Yeah. My timing was off. I, you know, I, I missed a chance to put another punchline in or stuff like that. And uh, when, and once again, it just goes back to being in business. Yep. When you've been in business, you, you know, it, it either works or it doesn't work. If it works, it can always be better. So how do you make it better? Right. And it's uh, it's it's a weird process, but it's fun. I agree. You know, I I look at comedy. I'm as I've watched a lot of comedy over the years, and never even thought about how do you write a joke mm-hmm. or the structure of a joke. Yeah, it's an instinct that hearing enough comedy you know when a joke is good or not mm-hmm. good. And that doesn't mean you can write a good joke or a bad joke, but yeah. you can at least tell. And I think that's the beginning. And um, one of the things that I, my dad coached me, I was a shot put and discus, sir. That's mm-hmm. what I thought I was going to go to school on scholarship mm-hmm. for. And I was a big kid always, but I wasn't really strong. I was kind of mm-hmm. s- stringy and yeah. skinny and everything. And throwing that discus and shot put and not being as strong as a lot of people against me, the technique was very important. Yeah. So I take that. That's where I learned to videotape myself yeah. and videotape it and watch it and work on that. And um, I'm starting to read more about joke structure and try to mm-hmm. understand there is a formula to it. And, right. uh, and I know there's a formula to it. The problem is I can't sit down and say, okay, I'm going to write a joke about the grocery store. Yeah. I don't do that. Right. I have an explosive you, diarrhea yeah. for three days. And guess what? 14 new poop jokes. Yeah. And, um, my best stuff is stuff that I feel passionately about. And mm-hmm. if I can match the passion with the structure it takes to write mm-hmm. a good joke, um, that's going to be success yeah. for me. And the best stuff is really personal. It's the the one the ones I hear stuff that comes from personal experience or personal viewpoints and stuff like that. And the funny thing is, my wife and I we were uh, we stayed the night in Schaumburg a couple of weeks ago because we went to a um, graduation party in uh, Lyle, Illinois. Yeah. And um, we uh, went to the Improv. And I won't say which comic it was. All three of them just stunk. It was July 1st, and uh, I don't think I didn't want to be there, but one of them is somewhat famous, and there was nothing personal about what he did. It was all wordplay and and stuff like that, and none of it 
none of it hit and it wasn't hitting with it wasn't just me it wasn't hitting with right. the audience was kind of uncomfortable laughing but it was just like the worst show and i was like okay that's how not to do it you know so he got where he is somehow but there's there was nothing probably not that way yeah, i wouldn't think <laughs> yeah i didn't i didn't feel anything different about him after i saw him than before i saw him because i didn't know who he was right and and the stuff that comes from personal experience my problem is i get 99% of my stuff when I'm driving, it comes to me when I'm driving because I drive a lot, yep. or when I'm laying, getting ready to go to sleep. And I, I'm kind of ADD, so I, it's, it's just hilarious in my brain. And I don't write it down, and it's gone. I know it's gone when I arrive at my destination. It's gone when I wake up. So I've started, I've started uh, keeping a book with me, like at all times, and I'll just whip it out and just write a couple notes down so I don't forget. If, if I dry, write one line, I can remember all of it. But I, I lose so much if I don't write it down. Same here. I am a guy, even in college and today. Um, I have to con over. I have to write things down over and over again. Yeah. Actually, handwrite it. It sticks to my brain. Yeah. If I'm not handwriting it, or if it's not like a true story yeah. that I can remember because it happened to me. Right. Uh, same thing. I use a voice recorder a lot on the mm. way to work, and I don't know why I do it, but I still do it every time I hit voice recorder. Rather than just say the idea, I always say write a joke that, and then whatever <laughs> it is. And I every time I say it, I'm like, why do I do that every time? Like I don't use voice recorder for anything other than yeah. you know jokes or whatever, but. Yeah. You can just, I, I want to be a storytelling com mm -hmm. comedian. Right. And the problem with that is it's very difficult to work those stories out when you have four to five minutes. Right. right. My stories are like 10 minutes long yep. and I get it. I'm not going to get a 60 minute set somewhere. Right. I go to Kelly's where I can get as much time as I want to, right. but without a lot of people there, it mm -hmm. makes it tough. Um, but that's my next thing that I really want to do is get away from the, I, I love puns and I love little mm -hmm. wordplay and all that stuff and uh, goofy subjects, but getting into where I can have my enthusiasm come through talking about gangster rap music, yeah. you know, that I love. Yeah. And uh, it's what, you know, I did a, a comic showcase at the drop a couple of weeks ago and three of my buddies that I've been comic, you know, friends with these comics, they're like, God, that's the best set I've ever seen you do. Mm -hmm. Didn't use any notes. I'm a chronic note looker and it's my weakness it's a it's a crutch and it, it really is. hurts it is yeah. people see you doing that and there's times when i watch my videos i'll see myself looking at notes yeah. i'm looking at a joke i've been telling for five yeah. years it's my favorite joke yeah. why do i gotta look and i think it's just there and i'm used to looking at it yeah. so i'm trying to get completely done yeah. with the notes and it changes how you write your set yes yeah. so if you've got seven minutes or six minutes I try to piece the jokes into categories yeah. like uh, marijuana, necrophilia, mm. <laughs> you know, just general sex jokes or whatever, yeah. and do them together where they kind of flow in. Yeah. Uh, but you know, when you got a five minutes, it's it's hard to squeeze any type of yeah. anything in in five yeah. minutes. Yeah. You know, as far as I'm concerned, but it's, I had to learn to keep the rambling down too because it's like don't make it a two minute joke yeah. if you can tell it in forty five seconds. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's something you just have to learn. Yeah, it's just it's just repetition, honing it, and um like you said, the videoing really helps. It's funny, the set I just did in Goshen, I um I did it for my wife twice. I ran it through, I had notes um and ran it through and had her hold the notes and did it. And when I did the set, I still forgot a piece. But 
it didn't matter because nobody knew I forgot it. Yep. And I went right on to something. I, I went into stuff that was comfortable to me because I knew I had time to fill. Right. And went went right into that. And it doesn't matter. It no. doesn't matter to the audience. You, you gotta you gotta sometimes think. The only thing is if you leave out a critical element or the punchline. Yeah. That's the only yeah. thing that really would yeah. destroy it. Yeah. I just forgot a whole a whole piece that was totally standalone, and I didn't. It, Nobody knew that. Gotcha. But, that's but good me. though. Yeah. But I got, you know, I got in the car afterwards and said, yeah, I forgot a piece, didn't I? She said, yeah, it's the 53rd birthday thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay, okay. I'll remember it next time. That's but great. yeah, it's, uh, it's just been so much fun. Just, and really the most fun for me is just meeting the people and watching them. Like, like, you know, I got, I got to bring up Max again. He was that set that he just killed. I was just, I was as happy for him as I could be without being his dad. Right. You know? Yeah. <laughs> it was, oh, it was it's like, such a good feeling. You know, yeah. I met Max. I, I saw Max at the drop, I think it was, mm. whenever. It, I mean, it's been, I don't know, a year or something like that. Yeah. A girl that I used to work with at Honeywell, Jessica Harrington is her name. Mm. Um, she was one of my biggest supporters. I just knew her from work. We would you know, we worked together. I wouldn't yeah. say we, we didn't go out and hang out or nothing, but mm. I asked her, I said, Hey, I'm doing my very first open mic at the drop. Any chance you could come? Mm-hmm. She bought, she brought a friend yeah. and they came and they came to like three of my sets. Rewind about a year ago or whenever Max started, um, she happened, she sent me a Facebook message. Hey, I've got a friend of mine who's coming up to the comedy club and he's a really good kid and he just needs somebody to, put their wing around him and uh-huh. help him get to know what the comedy was. Would yeah. you do that? And I was like, absolutely. So I introduced myself to Max and uh, I, I think I recorded a couple of sets. We did a show in Chicago here about, I don't know, April. It was the first of April sometime. Mm. And uh, it is so good because I get to see him. I knew his very first time he did it. I saw mm. him and I just get to see him. Like you said, getting better and better. Yeah. And it's like, this is better than watching a, se- a season of something on television. Oh, I got to yeah. watch somebody grow and they're having a good time and yeah. I can help that person. Man, that's all. I mean, I just, I just really dig watching hard work pay off. Right. And he's one of those young guys that he's so young. And imagine what we would be able to do if we were 22, 20, oh, yeah. whatever, whatever yeah. older and, and do that stuff. And I just, we, I didn't get into it early enough, yeah. but I just yeah. love it that I can see these guys chase their dreams. I can see. Six or seven of people, six or seven of these people that I'm friends with moved to Chicago for one reason. Yeah. To chase their dream and do comedy. Yeah. And I, I love it because that's, that ship probably sailed for me. And that's fine. I'm good with that. I, right. I've got a good career and I like, I like doing it as a hobby, but mm. getting to see guys work hard and it pay mm. off rather than watching people climb up the backs of others and do it yeah. the wrong way. I don't know what other comedy clubs are like. But the one thing that I hear a lot is the drop special. People yeah. are really nice. They're not stabbing each other in the back, trying yeah. to, you know, one up somebody. And it just, it's a, it's really cool. And I don't think I could ever go anywhere and find anything yeah. like that because of the things I've heard about right, other, right. you know, clicks and all that. And they're, you know, you'll have your clicks and whatnot. But oh, I yeah. think the guys that run it set the tone mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, they do a, they do a good job of yeah. it. And those guys that are managing it now, I mean, they work their tails off too. And they're all, they're all good dudes. I mean, yeah. there's none of those guys that you would say, man, I, I don't know about that. Guy. Right. I mean, yeah. you know, I, that, they, they don't, there isn't one of those guys. So yeah. it's just a, it's a good feeling. Yeah. They're all just nice people. So I got to ask, what position did you play in football? Middle linebacker. All right. Uh, in high school, I played a lot of different things. Freshman year as a quarterback. I played quarterback oh. and linebacker. I uh-huh. mean, that's a weird. <laughs> 
junior year, they moved me to tight end. And then my senior year, I played uh, fullback and linebacker. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I was a big 6'2", 215. Mm-hmm. You know, very good. I was a, I ran the 200-meter dash also along yeah. with shot, but so I was a very good athlete. And uh, I, I lettered two years at Purdue. Never started. Played mostly special teams. Yeah. Pay for my college. I'm good with that. I I knew when I got there my first week and I saw the level of athletes that were around me. Yeah. I was no longer the big fish in a little pond. I was like a little fish in a big pond and there was a lot of fish in that pond. Yeah. So. Yeah. I played, I played a little football in high school. I think I played through my sophomore year, but I was, I was six, five by the time I started my sophomore year, but I weighed 165 pounds. Oof. Yeah. (laughs) So I was big as my arm is right, <laughs> and I didn't i I didn't like basketball at all, and the, the basketball coaches hated me because I went to Lavelle, and I was the tallest. Sure, kid they wanted to probably uh, capitalize. They, on yeah, they that. wanted they just wanted to put me under the net. I just didn't care about it. I liked football, and I was just getting the shit kicked out of me every time I played because yeah. I was because I was so thin and then I ended up just getting a job after that and uh, fortunately the job was Farrell's that I talked about earlier oh, okay and I met my wife there so oh, you know it, it all worked out fine sure but uh the uh the thinness started going away I think in my 30s and it went from thin to fat like really quick <laughs> It does. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Metabolism slowed down. Eating stayed the same. I was sedentary, and I got up to about three hundred. Oh wow! And then uh, I finally, the kids were on their way out, and I finally told my wife, I said, I got to get myself healthy. But she's always been healthy and and exercising. And I said, but you got to slow down to have me stay with you. Right. And uh, we, you know, over the last four or five years, we've done that, and it's. Uh, the funny thing is, is then the fifties hit you and you got to either exercise more or drink less beer. And I don't know if I do either one. Man, I'm telling you what, I, uh, I've always been a big eater. I'm in, I've, I played football in college at about 235. I'm about two, I'm about 250 right now. Uh And I've always hovered around 250 and whether I'm working out or not doing anything other than eating at Outback every other day. And my wife and I got into this habit about two years ago. We get up at five in the morning, go to the gym for mm-hmm. an hour. Just I don't even lift weights anymore. Uh, I just walk on the treadmill mm-hmm. or I'll run on the elliptical thing. Yeah. And uh, the reason I do it is because I don't want to cut back on what I eat. I don't want yeah. to eat healthier. I do eat healthier, but I like to eat a lot of meat, a lot of carbs. I don't eat yeah. a lot of like you know cookies and stuff like that. Right. But I'm not against it. Yeah. I did cut pop out. I mm-hmm. drink you know unsweetened tea a lot now. But man, I'm telling you what. I felt it when I hit 30 and now I, I've hit, hit, I'm at 43 right now yeah. and I can, my body's starting to tell me, Hey, you know, it's yeah. uh, good that you're doing this exercise. But I started lifting weights, was really getting back into it, hurt my elbow, man. That thing was hurting for me for six mm, months. Yeah. And it wasn't anything that was, I wasn't going to go to the doctor over. It was like a tweak ligament or whatever, right. but man, I'm just now starting to get right. back from that. And I'm like, Oh, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. But yeah, the fifties is another step. It's really in it, Things just start hurting. Yeah. And, and not going away yeah, like and, quickly. And you just wake up in the morning and I'm like, I didn't do anything yesterday. Why do I hurt? And it's just, it, it's different. But yeah. you got to, you can either give into it or you can just power through it. Yeah. So, you know, my wife's a good coach as far as that's concerned because we, um, 
it was funny. We Columbia, Tennessee, the office that I work at is it's right about eight hours away. My best my best time was seven and a half, and I've done nine when I've hit bad traffic in Nashville because it's south of Nashville. But uh, we went together the last time I went, and it was about an eight and a half hour trip then and we got to the hotel checked in and she said okay we've got to find some place to walk and we found a river walk and if i would have been by myself i would have plopped down read a book watch tv right and we got like four miles in and and every night we did stuff and, and it sure helps and, having a partner that wants yeah, to do that yeah that's for sure it, I, I I need her to do that, but she she keeps wanting me to do more weights and stuff like that. And I I I say, you know, walking's good enough. <laughs> <laughs> but I I know I need to because you know you just you just hit those plateaus, and yeah. you know I got down to like two twenty two twenty five, and then I've I've been hovering at like two thirty five for ever since the start of the new year right. and i'd like to get back down to that 225 and i'm just gonna have to work harder to do it Man. because i'm not cutting out the beer because that's that's my other hobby so i'll run 12 yeah. miles a day yeah. but i'm not drinking light beer <laughs> yeah yeah so um one thing i want to make sure i point out is your uh twitter account is very active and very uh the retweets you do are good. Everything you do is good. So how how do people follow you on Twitter? At uh, Dangerous Dirk. Okay. Just like it sounds. Um, I do obvious. I do a lot of stuff on Facebook because, um, you know, 140 character limit and yeah. all that stuff. But yeah. my really good stuff that I can squeeze down, I do try to go on Twitter and do that. And it's funny because this last weekend, what I'll do, is, you know, when I say I'm going to sit down, I'm going to write some jokes. I'm yeah. going to take the outline, you know, mm. that I put on Facebook or Twitter and I'm going to flush it out and start right. building on it. Yeah. And, uh, it's funny cause you'll notice on my Twitter account, it'll go in spurts, right. And yeah. I'll put on like five or six jokes and they won't do anything for a couple three days or mm. whatever. Well, I go back, my mom was visiting last week and I'm just fiddling around on my phone because mm. she's yammering about something and <laughs> I'm looking at my old Twitter jokes and I'm laughing out loud. I'm like, I don't even remember like, yeah. I don't know when I, 203 <laughs> on a Wednesday morning. What the hell? <laughs> And I will, I'll laugh out loud and I'll have to go back and remember some of that stuff because, you know, some of it's pretty good. And right. like I said, I don't even remember writing it, but, um, uh, but I do, I do a lot of stuff on Twitter, I do a lot of stuff on Facebook. Yeah. Um, I got a couple of artist pages that I have okay. on Facebook. Um, the first one that I did, I started about almost two years ago now. And it, it probably won't surprise you if you've ever seen me in my comedy, but it's called Dirk's Dick Drawing Diary. Uh -huh. And I do a lot of cartoon. I basically take a picture like President Trump or, mm -hmm. you know, somebody in the media and I'll draw, you know, they'll have their hand up in the air. And yeah. of course I draw a dick in it yeah. or whatever. <laughs> so I do the, the dick drawings there. And they're not gross, veiny. I mean, there might mm -hmm. be a vein or two, but it's not like a disgust. I'm not <laughs> yeah. drawing just a penis. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, there's a, it is an artistic. Yeah. <laughs> and then I also have a non penis meme page. I'm, I do mm -hmm. memes and stuff. It's, um, Handling my business, okay. Is of course, my last name, mm -hmm. uh, and I really like that too. And I know there's a lot of people that will tell me I love some of the stuff, but I don't want to like it because it's going to show up in my uh -huh. feed and my grandma's, my friend on Facebook, yeah. and I'm and I'm like, T -t I totally get it. So for those people that don't want the dick drawings, there's non dick drawing stuff yeah. too on the other one. But <laughs> but I do. I spend a lot of time. I mean, I'm I'm um, don't have any kids. I yeah. play a lot of video games. My wife uh, is really cool and mm. lets me kind of do what I want to. Mm. And I saw I'll be sitting there watching reruns of The Office, and I'll think of some kind of meme or yeah. you know some drawing that I want to yeah. do. And 
Uh, or I'll see a picture that maybe Jason Staples or Baldazon will post. And I'm like, oh my God, that looks like he's like Marilyn Mo- Monroe is standing yeah. there with her dresses blowing up. Uh-huh. And then I'll, you know, put their face yeah. on there. So it's, uh, it comes, <laughs> it comes naturally. And like you said, people can tell when a comic is telling a story about something they're very, uh, yeah. you know, passionate about. Right. And I'm really passionate about those drawings and yeah. art. And I know it's stupid. And I know that some people would roll their eyes that a 43 year old man is drawing penises in the hands of, you know, Nancy Pelosi yeah. or whoever. Um, but gosh, dang it. It comes naturally. Yeah. And it's what I know. I mean, I don't, uh, it's what I know. And yeah. I try to stick with what I know because I, you know, I think it, the enthusiasm you right. know, comes out. Right. So. Yeah. If you can't laugh at a dick joke or a dick meme, then. Yeah. You know, they say stand up comedy isn't all dick jokes. They're right. It's only like 98% dick jokes, but, you know, (laughs) whatever. (laughs) I I remember going up. It was maybe like the fifth or sixth time I went up and I was like sixth or seventh on the list. And everybody talked about masturbation Uh, (laughs) before me. I went up and I said, I think we got masturbation covered. (laughs) I don't think I need, I think we've. Totally covered that subject. I don't need to go into that. That fifth guy is like, oh, my God, all I did was work on my masturbation material. That's all they've (laughs) talked about. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And if we want to see you do comedy, it's uh, the drop on Tuesday night. I'm usually at the drop on Tuesday. I'm going to get back into the swing of things. I want to get back and doing some hosting of shows. I love hosting open mics, too. Um, And I'm going to start trying to hit the chicory and do some more clean stuff. Typically... My mind wanders to the darker, you know, mm. dirtier stuff, but I understand that limits my ability to do mm. shows at certain places. And I have a great respect for people that can write clean comedy because I sit and try to write clean comedy. Mm. And the only thing that ends up clean is the sheet of paper that I'm trying yeah. to, you know, write yeah. the comedy on. Yeah. Uh, but every once in a while, you know, I've got a, I, I've worked the same place for six years. I'm happy there. I'm not mm. interviewing, but I want to go and interview for jobs. Mm-hmm. And try out my clean comedy jokes, and I've yeah. got a good joke for uh, an interview. Okay, yeah. most most people are going to say, "Don't, Dirk, no jokes uh, in HR, nothing uh-huh. like that." And so um, I ask them, you know, I tell them, "Hey, I do stand up comedy. Might I tell you a joke?" And I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. "Go ahead." And it's a work related topic that an right. HR professional could appreciate. Yeah, they did a survey before the uh, 2016 election, and they asked people of all the presidents in history, including President Obama, which one was the best networking president of all time. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, Abraham LinkedIn, right? I mean, and uh, usually even a stupid, cheesy joke like that will help break uh-huh. the ice and yeah. make them comfortable. Right. I do a lot of interviewing of employee stuff, yeah. too. So I know people that are doing the interviewing, they're just as nervous a lot of oh, times. Yeah. So if you can make them at ease with yeah. your uh, breaking the ice like that, yeah. it's a good way. And I find humor uh, in everything that I do. It helps to mend rifts at work. Yeah. And, and things like that. So it's just a, it's a good tool yeah. that I use for things other than just being on stage. You know, it's so funny. I'm, I, I, as I was getting to know Jason Staples a little bit, you know, I always did clean. And one of the reasons I've just g- gone to that because I think it's just where I can do it, right? And 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 other other guys do it. So I, I'm just going to pretty much stay there. I've got you know. I've got stuff that I could go into that's pretty dark, but I don't, I, I just decided not to. Sure. Jason saw me go up so many times and then we're sitting there talking and I, I use language when I talk, you know, <laughs> I'm fuck this. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so I, and he's like, it's so funny to hear you use 
foul language and i'm like well that's me yeah the stage persona and me sitting down is two different things you know that's uh, that's one thing that i really do kind of like is a lot of those guys and and me included usually what you see up on stage that's about what you're gonna i mean i'm obviously not having sex with animals and i don't tell those jokes at work all the time but i do some Mm -hmm. but it's funny how you'll see somebody where uh, you could see Patrick Fowler do a set and mm-hmm. think, oh, my God, he does a great a great little set there. He's kind of like Stephen Wright a yeah. little bit and probably a persona. That's exactly who Jay uh, – that's who he yeah. is, Patrick Fowler. That's who he is. Yeah. And I just love it because he he flows with it. His yeah. – uh, you know, he, he'll tell you he's like, I, you know, awkward sometimes, situations yeah. and everything. Yeah. And he just uses it so well. And last night, uh, open mic – he, you know, he's telling jokes that are stupid. And he's like, that joke was so dumb. Yeah, I know. And the crowd, he just makes it so funny that <laughs> yeah. it is a cheesy joke, but he yeah. acknowledges it's cheesy and it makes it okay and really brings the crowd along. He did one one night and I laughed so hard at it. And he just looked at me and said, don't laugh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're just encouraging me, man. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, that, that's what he's best at. Well, I love Kelly's open mic too because he was hosting the yeah. Kelly's open mic a lot, and he, you know, he obviously sees that there's two people playing pool and the rest are four right. comics sitting there, and he's yeah. like, you know, he doesn't just, you know, put his head down. He like uses, it and say, hey, you yeah. know, I know you guys aren't paying attention, but I got a great new joke about eating pizza or yeah. whatever. <laughs> and uh, it's, I just, I, that's what I love about him is, uh, you know, you can take that. I think there's honor in telling a joke mm-hmm. that you know. S- Maybe you don't know that it sucks, but it bombs on stage. Yeah. And if you can immediately make fun of it, yeah. the crowd will uh, – now it's a win instead yeah. of a lose, you know, because they're like, oh, they're moaning. And you're like, you yeah. should moan at that joke. That's yeah. horrible. Johnny Carson used to do that. Some of his best stuff was when he told a bad joke. And that's 100% accurate. He knew he knew when he was bombing, and he'd play on that for the rest of the rest of his monologue. It was it great. Worked. I'm telling you what, it can really turn. Uh, it can turn the joke completely around. Yeah. I mean, you'll put jokes in your set. You know they're going to groan at just yeah. so you can like talk about yeah. how they hated that joke yeah. and how you hate that joke too. Yeah, it's cool. Well, um, so we can see you at uh, the drop. We can see you at comedy at Kelly's, and if you want to follow Dirk on Twitter, it's Dangerous Dirk. That's right. And then uh, Facebook is Dirk Hamlin, and the art pages are was it Dirk's Dick? Dirk's Dick Drawing Diary. Yeah, and handling my business. I got to find those. Yeah, you can yeah. if you look through my page. There's all, I'm always forwarding my own stuff, of yeah. course. Yeah, so I'll, I'll I'll find those myself. It's really, I'm really glad that you um, messaged me on Twitter because I've been thinking about doing, I, I've done a couple roundtables with, you know, four or five of us in here, but I've been thinking about doing one-on-ones with uh, a lot of the local comics. So you started the ball rolling. Now I'm going to start bugging Cliss and Fowler and Staples and Hollinger. They and, all love and, to do that. I've done some podcasts with those guys uh, in the past, and it's just so much fun because we know each other. We know yeah. each other's jokes. And I think a lot of times there's a lot of inside jokes yeah. that we know the listener doesn't get, but right. we don't care because we're right. laughing about it. Right. And the funny thing is, is when you, you, 
I don't want to say force yourself, but when you um, uh, put yourself into a conversation one-on-one with somebody, you do learn new stuff, though. Oh, yeah. Because I'm sure I could sit down with any one of those guys, and I could learn stuff that I didn't know before. And then that always, it, it translates on a good podcast, if it's a, if it's a good one, to um, people saying, hey, I should go out and talk to other people. And and then they find out new things, and of course you 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 start to understand how people work and how they get their ideas and yeah um, why they believe what they believe. So that's cool. Well, thank you for uh, coming in, and thank you for uh, poking me on Twitter. No, thanks for having me. I, I love to do this stuff. I like to meet new people, and like I said, uh, you know, get to learn more about each other. That's what it's all yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. This is great. Well, thanks a lot, Dirk. Awesome. I'm gonna pop this in real quick. What a good! Sure. That's that was a great. No, I love that. Isn't man. that fun? I've done, I don't like I don't like to do structured stuff. Sure, no, you know I think it. Uh, I, I did a couple of podcasts. Great news! For a limited time, you can get one month free of Spectrum Mobile service. That's right, one month free with any new line. This exclusive offer is only available at select Spectrum stores. So stop by today. Our team of mobile experts are ready to help you switch and save hundreds on your mobile bill. Don't miss out on this incredible offer. Come see us at Market at Hilliard, Taylor Square, and Waterloo Crossing. Spectrum Internet and auto pay required. Restrictions apply. Visit store for details.